Well, good morning, church. Hey, holiday weekends have nothing on you. This place is packed. Great to see you guys this morning. How about you give a little shout out to your own selves? Can we celebrate you guys being here today? Man, but I'm so grateful to be here in the room with you as well as those who are joining us online. Welcome everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us. The title of today's message is Better Together. Better Together. We're gonna be in Acts chapter three. Verses one through 10. So if you have a Bible with you today, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Acts chapter three. But hey, if you're able, out of the honor of the reading of God's word, would you stand up with me to your feet today? Well, this is the word of the Lord from Acts chapter three. It says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. But when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Then Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, Father God, we come before you today knowing that when your Holy Spirit steps up to the scene, you fill us up with wonder and amazement, God. So Jesus, today, we pray that you would do the exact same thing here with us. God, speak to us a new thing, we pray. For if you do not speak, Father, absolutely nothing of any significance will have been told. Father, we love you, and God, we trust you. It's in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Have you ever experienced a moment that completely changed your life? A moment when it felt as though time had stood still. A moment that is permanently engraved into the memory of your mind. See, maybe for you is when you first went on a date with your future spouse. Or is that moment when you looked your newborn baby into the eyes for the very first time. Maybe for you is when you surrendered your life to Jesus, or it was the day you discovered your life's purpose. See, biblically, we call this a kairos moment. And kairos is a Greek word used to describe a God-ordained moment. It's also known as the right or the appointed time. One Kairos moment I had happen in my own life was a little less than a month ago when a team of New Hope volunteers and I were able to travel to the Dominican Republic for a missions trip. Now with this particular group, over half of the team was made up of young adults. And I know I'm biased because I got the young adult title and all, but it made me so proud to see such young people so eager to serve God through a life-changing experience. And church, get this, here at New Hope, 56 people have been a part of experiencing a trip like this, where we go and serve alongside of Pastor Ezekiel and his church in Las Lomas. 56 people. Can you help me celebrate that ours is a church? 
so passionate about missions. But that experience I had in the Dominican Republic and being able to worship with them at their church, Jehovah Nissi, is something that's cherished within my heart. A true Kairos moment in my life. And here in our scriptures, we see Peter and John are having a Kairos moment of their own. It's a moment that is ordained by God. See, Jesus has just ascended back into heaven after dying on a bloodstained cross, only to resurrect from the grave, proving that not even death could contain the love that he has for you. Here in our scriptures, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. He's left the apostles. He's given them the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Peter has been appointed the head of the church. In Acts 3, we see that Peter and John are about to partake in making a man healed who is unable to walk. This is going to be the very first miracle since the birth of the local church. Peter and John are two apostles who have walked with Jesus. They have witnessed his miracles and resurrection firsthand. These two men find themselves in this God-ordained moment with a man who needs healing. So now that we talked about all this knowledge we have about Peter and John, let's talk about what we know about this man who needs healing. Oh yeah, we can't. Because the only thing we know about this man is his issue. All we know is that since birth, this man has been placed by the temple gate to beg from those around him as he's defined by his issue of being unable to walk. We don't get to know this man's story. We don't get to know his family. We don't get to know if he has dreams or desires of his heart. We don't even get to know the man by name. All we know about this man is his issue. Could you imagine? You walk into a room and the only thing people have to define you by is your issue. Saying, oh, that's, that's just a girl with anxiety. He's just the one who's experienced a divorce. He's the depressed one. She's the addict. There goes the one who's doubting God. But there's a great danger in this because the enemy can try to capitalize on the labels that culture wants to give us. And if you listen to these labels long enough, you can begin to believe that that's all you are. Don't you dare listen to the one with death on his breath when you have a heavenly father who speaks so much worth over you. You're still a daughter. And you're still a son. And if you're not dead, then guess what? God's not done. Because of Jesus, brokenness does not run in your blood. This man is sitting at the temple gate and yet all he feels is stuck in his tragedy. Until one day, scripture said one day the men of God come and interrupt his story. So today, no matter your story, no matter the circumstance you may find yourself in, no matter what you may have walked in here with believing about God today, I want us to turn our eyes to the scriptures as we get better together and let God's word have the final say. That's why this morning, I want us to talk about three takeaways that we can learn from Acts chapter three. So if you're taking notes, get ready to write this first thing down. God's greatest invitations can be disguised as interruptions. God's greatest invitations can be disguised as interruptions. The Bible said one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about three in the afternoon 
when a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. But when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. The man stopped Peter and John. See, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. That was their agenda for the day when they get interrupted by a man who needs healing. If we study the Old Testament scriptures, we see Jewish culture had a time of prayer three times scheduled in the temple. This was modeled after King David in Psalms 55, as well as the example Daniel set in Daniel chapter six. These three times of prayer were 9 a.m., noon, and then three o'clock in the afternoon. Now in Acts, it tells us that Peter and John are going to the temple at 3 p.m., meaning for these two men, it's their very last opportunity to go and pray in the temple when all of a sudden they gotta stop due to an interruption. See how often can we confuse interruptions for inconveniences when really they're invitations? Invitations from God to be a part of something much greater than ourselves. Let me give you an example, is that all right? I had great plans for when I was gonna write this sermon. Okay, when I was in the Dominican, I spent a whole week collecting notes for this sermon. As soon as I get back, I sit down, I write the whole thing, it's done, completed, beautiful. I go to click save, accidentally deleted the whole entire thing. Always right. But I thought to myself, no worries, I'll just start all over again. But at the exact moment I go sitting down to write, I get a call from the front office letting me know that a visitor wants to speak with me. So if I can be honest in the house of God today, at that moment in time, I was just frustrated because none of my plans were going the way that I expected them to go. But nonetheless, I go downstairs, I put a smile on my face, I walk up to this woman as I reach out my hand and say, hi, my name is Abby, what's your name? And do you know what she responds with? She says, tragedy, I'm not even worthy of speaking my own name. And I thought, well, happy Wednesday to me. <laughs> I guess I'm getting nothing done that I set out to do today. But as we sit down at this table, this woman starts telling me her story. She shares how she hasn't been to church in decades. And she was actually on her way to end her own life when something inside of her prompted her to walk through the doors of our church. And as I sat there, I didn't know what to say. So I remember opening my hands below the table and in my mind, I prayed silently, God, I don't know what it is that you're doing and I don't know what to say, but I can see your hand in this interruption. So Holy Spirit, please come and do what only it is that you can do. And I watched as this woman went from telling me the plans that she had to end her own life to then telling me she was gonna hang on to hope because of the few words that we had spoken about the gospel of Jesus. And church, I was this close to missing all of it, simply because I wanted to cling on tight to my own plans. See, preset plans without an open hand can contaminate God's purposes. Preset plans without an open hand can contaminate God's purposes. But this can be so challenging for us because bad plans, sure, those can contaminate God's purposes. But you mean to tell me that even our good plans can do the same? Without an open hand, they can. See, roughly half of Jesus' miracles were interruptions. Jesus healed a man after he interrupted his sermon by coming through a hole in the roof. 
Jesus silenced a storm after being interrupted in his sleep. That kind of interruption can test some of us. Jesus healed a woman with an issue of blood on his way to resurrect a little girl from the dead. While dying on the cross, Jesus paused and led the man next to him to salvation. See, Jesus always had a plan. He always had a next destination, but he chose to live life interruptible with an open hand. I wonder what we can miss because so often we're clinging with white fists to our own plans. See, it's no wonder Peter and John understood that God's greatest invitations could be disguised as interruptions. It's the example they saw in Jesus, and it's the example we get to see in them. The question becomes, will I let God bring people in my path at an inconvenient moment? Will you let him? When we were in the Dominican Republic, Pastor Ezekiel took us to a nearby community called the Forgotten where the level of poverty in this community is much greater than the level of poverty we see by the church. This is actually where Pastor Ezekiel and his church are going to take all of the socks and underwear that you as a New Hope family collected. But while we were walking through this community, you just saw the people flock to Pastor Ezekiel. All those Christian and non-Christian, they all knew and had a deep respect for this man simply because of the way that he cared for them. While he was showing us around, this woman came up and asked for prayer for her son with cancer. So Pastor Ezekiel paused and he ushered for Pastor John to come and pray over this woman. And our team stood there as we all reached out our arms in agreement with prayer over this lady. And you see, Pastor had an open hand to this woman's interruption. He was available for her. Earlier that day, I was talking with Pastor Ezekiel's wife and I asked her the question, hey, where have you seen God be faithful? And she shared with me how a group from their church had started evangelizing in the nearby community of the forgotten. And last Sunday, they saw a group from that community make the journey to come and attend church that evening, which is a really big deal, New Hope. Because in order to get from the community of the forgotten to the church, you would go down a mountain, cross a creek, and do this all in the evening with only one streetlight. She shared with me how that last Sunday, those people that made their way out to the church that night Five of them chose to give their life to Jesus. So a few days go by, and I was swimming in a waterfall when Victor, our liaison with our missional partner in the Dominican called Avi, is staring at me. So he ushers for me to come over, and he says, Abby, do you speak? To which I replied, see. <laughs> Only for the person next to me, to say, Abby, no, not do you speak Spanish, do you speak as in do you teach, do you preach? And you know what's so funny? I don't even speak Spanish. Okay, I don't know why I said see. <laughs> but I look at this man and I say, oh, even better, I do preach at my church. So he says, great, do you think you can come and preach at our church tonight? So I get up on their church's platform to teach this word from Acts chapter three. When God just leaves me in awe, because that church is packed. Like they can't even shut the front doors because so many people are standing outside ready to worship. And do you know who was in that room ready to worship with us that night? That woman we had stopped and prayed for in the community of the forgotten. She decided to make the journey from her home all the way to church simply so she could be with the people who took a moment to see and pray over her. 
Pastor's open hand to her interruption allowed this woman to feel invited. And New Hope, you don't need to travel to a different country in order to experience God's hand like this. You just need to be available. Because while we can't choose what we experience, we can choose how the experience changes us. And for some of you, that's your story. You would have never chosen the things that led you to Christ. You would have never chosen the circumstances that prompted you to come to church today. But you're here and God sees you and he promises to work all things out together for your good. We can't choose what we experience, but we can choose how the experience changes us. Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray when they got interrupted. God's greatest invitations can be disguised as interruptions. Here's the second thing I want us to take away from Acts chapter three. God has a tendency to get glory from your dependency. God has a tendency to get glory from your dependency. This is way more than a cool rhyme. There's actual power to it. Let me tell you why. The word of God said when he saw Peter and John about to enter, the man stopped and asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then watch this. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. God used what Peter did not have to usher in a miracle. I wonder if you're anything like me, where you're constantly reminded about the things in which you do not have. See, this world can be so good at reminding us of what we do not have. The enemy actually specializes in reminding us of what we do not have. Social media can be so good at reminding us of what we do not have. We live in a culture that tries to arrest our attention about the things in which we do not have. I wonder if there's an area in your life where you've been praying, you've been waiting, you've been hoping for a while now and yet you still don't have. Maybe for you it's hope for a relationship or for that prodigal child in your life to return home. Maybe you're waiting for someone else to say that they're sorry, or you're asking God for a job or for healing. This world can be so good at reminding us of what we do not have. See, I never wanted to go on a missions trip simply because I believed I had nothing to offer. I'm not a nurse, so I can't meet a need of theirs practically. One of our team's goals that week was to lay concrete down to make a better foundation in people's homes. Do you see my muscles? No, because I don't have any. I can't lay concrete down in Jesus' name. On top of all of this, I don't even speak the language. There were so many things I felt like I did not have that made me unqualified and useless to go on a missions trip. In fact, on day one, I was so overwhelmed by this fact that I busted out in tears in front of everyone. So as I pulled myself together, I remember walking up to this group of children who looked at me so confused. <laughs> because I thought I was saying, what's your name in Spanish? When really I was asking these poor children, how do you love? 
Okay, if you're taking notes, como te llama, como te amo, two totally different things. So here I am in this other country. I'm confusing children. I'm confused myself on why I even decided to show up. When the enemy starts to whisper to me, I told you you didn't belong here. Who are you to think that you would have any purpose here? And as I sat there listening to those lies, I was reminded of all the things I felt like I did not have that made me unqualified to be there. But as I pushed through, I found myself sitting next to this beautiful teenage girl. Now, she couldn't speak English, and we know I couldn't speak Spanish. But we still found ourselves able to communicate over a few simple phrases. So I looked at this girl and I said, familia, which means family in Spanish. And she begins to tell me her story. Our translator stepped in and explained how this girl is the only Christian who attends church in her family. Her father believes in God, but he works on the mountain, while her mother used to believe in God, but now she doesn't. So every single Sunday evening, this young girl walks all alone to attend church. Choking back tears, she begins to explain to me how every night she begs God to bring her mom back to church. And as I sat there getting wrecked by this, I started to question what I could say to this girl. But I was reminded how these beautiful people in this community were so quick to remind me of God's faithfulness. So I just decided to do the same. I looked this girl in the eye and then I looked back at our translator and I said, hey, tell this girl the Holy Spirit is in her life. And her family is gonna notice something different in her that's gonna lead them back to Christ. Hey, tell this girl that I'm gonna go home to my church in North Carolina and tell them to pray for your mom as well. Then I looked at this girl and I said, can we take a moment to pray over you for your family right now? So we all held hands. And as we closed our eyes and prayed, I remember saying amen, just to open my eyes to find this girl weeping. And then she said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, thank you for taking the time to see me. I love you, but not like a friend. I love you like Jesus. See, often we can mistake our weakness as the end when our weakness is just God's floor. And God is most glorified in us when we are most dependent on him. God is most glorified in us when we're most dependent on him. And it makes me wonder if Peter had not been financially limited, do you think he would have even taken a moment to pause to look our man in the scripture in the eye? Or would he have just thrown in some money and kept on walking? Peter looked at this man and said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. See, God has a tendency to get glory from your dependency. A few weeks ago, I was in the back with our worship team getting ready for one of our services. And I know you probably know, but we are one of the best worship teams of all time. Am I right, church? <laughs> but I wonder if you know the very last thing this team does before they walk out onto this platform is they pray for you. And they pray over what God would wanna do here in the room. On this Sunday in particular, Pastor Adam was leading the team in prayer when he said this. He said, God, we're not just dependent on you. 
We're desperate for you. What a prayer. God, we're not just dependent. We're desperate for you. Desperate for you to do what only it is that you can do. See, our lack might be our limit, but it's more than enough for God to accomplish the good plans he wants for our lives. So if there's a situation you face today where you're dependent, maybe even a little desperate for God to do what only it is that God can do, you're in really good company. Because ours is a God that can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine if only we rely on him. God's greatest invitations can be disguised as interruptions. God has a tendency to get glory from your dependency. But I told you I had three things. So here's the last thing. When we're faithless, God remains faithful. <laughs> Even when we're faithless, God remains faithful. Aren't you thankful that his faithfulness is placed on us and not based on us? See, we already read in Acts chapter three how this man who needs healing is gonna receive a miracle. But it's not the miracle that I want us to focus on today. The scripture said earlier that every day this man was carried to the temple gate where he was placed to beg from those around him. Meaning every day of this man's life, he was with the same people in the same place with the same problem day after day. This man is asking for money when what he really needs is healing. If you notice in the scripture, Peter told the man to look at him meaning this man didn't even have the courage to look Peter and John in the eye. It's probably because he was so used to the constant rejection that it just became hard to hope. Ever been there? In a circumstance in your life where it just feels like it hurts to hope? Maybe for you, you're waiting on a doctor's diagnosis and that waiting is not only scary, but it's lonely. Maybe for you, someone just died in your family and you don't know how it could ever get better. Maybe you're single and you're unhappy about it. Maybe you've been praying for community and it still hasn't happened for you. See, no matter your story, this man at the temple gate can relate. Later on in Acts chapter four, we see that the man was over 40 years old when he received his healing. Meaning for this man, it's been 40 years of disappointment 40 years of unanswered prayers and 40 years of getting let down again and again. This man is at the temple gate, but he has completely lost his faith. See, Pastor Darius Daniels, he says that present challenges have a way of infecting us with the spiritual amnesia. Present challenges have a way of infecting us with the spiritual amnesia. In other words, if you let circumstances captivate your attention long enough, you'll begin to forget all the ways God has already been faithful. You can even begin to stop asking God to do wonder-working miracles in your life simply because you haven't seen him move yet. This man was about to settle for money when God saw his hope for healing. See, we wanna settle for the minimum when God is a God of maximum. We think if we don't have yet, it must not be God's will. We can slip into settling instead of continually surrendering to the Holy Spirit. 
But when circumstances don't change, it's because God is more concerned with your character rather than your timetable. God is building something within you. He hears you. He knows you by name. See, Peter and John gave the man what he stopped praying for. So what about you? What things have you stopped praying and pleading with God for at his feet simply because it feels like your prayers are just hitting some ceiling? See, what we need to know today is that our prayers are either changing your circumstance in the unseen or they're changing you. Both are just as powerful. And we serve a God who won't waste your waiting. God never wastes a wait. He's building something within you. Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Then taking the man by the right hand, he lifted him up and instantly the man was healed. Night one, when we were in the Dominican Republic, Pastor Ezekiel stopped by the hotel to share his heart with the team. And he shared how two years ago, they found themselves with great vision, great faith, big plans, and big dreams. They just lacked one thing. And with tears in his eyes, he reached out for the hand of the man next to him. As he said, we just needed someone to come and take us by the hand to let us know they're in this with us. And you, New Hope, have been that hand that they have prayed for. And now this partnership we have with them is evidence of God's faithfulness. See, Pastor Adam already mentioned in our services how next Sunday we're gonna be beginning a brand new series titled Bold Prayers. And I hope you come, because this is gonna be a series that's gonna level up your faith. But as we talk about this idea of praying boldly, it makes me ask the question, if God answered all of your prayers today, would it impact more than just you? Really, every single one of those things on your prayer request list, if he answered them, would you be the only beneficiary? This man was about to settle for money when God saw a testimony of healing that would be told throughout all generations. So could it be that maybe God wants to do something in you before God does something for you? Because God will be faithful. And aren't you thankful the one who knows us the best loves us the most? God will be faithful. Just like he was with Jonah in the mouth of the whale. God will be faithful, just as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they walked through the fire. God will be faithful, just as he was with the woman at the well. And God will be faithful to you as well. You can rely on God's faithfulness today. So as we close, Pastor John and the team are gonna lead us in the song that they've written for our house titled, Remember My Faithfulness. And as we worship, I want us to declare over our circumstances that the same God who was faithful then will be faithful to do it again. Would you go ahead and stand up with me this morning? Well, Father God, we come before you today. God, and we thank you that you are a faithful Father, God. And Jesus, even when we're doubting, 
Even when we're scared, even when our circumstances just seem to cloud our mind. God, we thank you that if we just open our eyes, you're the God who's saying, I'm right here. Just take me by the hand. God, I pray over every single situation where someone just needs clear vision to see your hand reaching out to them today, Father. Let them know that we don't even have to just trust your plans, but we get the gift of trusting your heart as well. I pray for a resurrection of faithfulness to arise in this church, God. Get our hopes up by meeting them with the expectation of who you are, God. Father, be enthroned on our worship because we know that you are a living, faithful, true God who is worthy of our worship today. So Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we give this day to you. It's in Jesus' name that we all said, amen.